Super Talk Mississippi media production. Come see your locally owned and operated Linton Glass for all your glass needs. No matter what glass you need to replace, you can count on Linton Glass. Call us today at 601-835-4336 or find us on the web at lintonglass.com. Howdy, howdy, it's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. I'm your host, Gerard Gibbert, and I am on the road again today in Cleveland, Mississippi, at the spectacular Grammy Museum of Mississippi in Cleveland. We're here for the Cleveland 50 Nights of Lights, promoting that event coming up here. Uh, Rhino is safe and sound back in the Super Talk headquarters. We'll be guiding you through the middle of your day with facts, fodder, and fine music. Rhino, the ride on the way up, a little misty, a little sprinkly. It looks like the precipitation has moved out. The thing that I guess most uh, is most impressive is that the wind is dead calm after the severe weather that moved through the Magnolia State yesterday, primarily the central part in uh, southwestern parts of the state were affected, and that is as uh, forecast yesterday. You were telling the folks about that. Have you heard about any any sort of um, after-storm, post-storm damage anywhere in the state? I do know that there are still thousands of Mississippians without power in the Magnolia State today after the severe okay. weather, but I haven't seen much reporting on uh, significant property damage or damage to homes. I'm sure with with how many tornado warnings went off last night, I'm sure someone was hit, but I haven't seen the pictures yet. Yeah, I, I mean, I heard constant uh, constant warnings. You know, if you were watching the weather or listening or however you were tracking it, that uh, it just seems like uh, continuous tornado warnings. Meaning, right, a tornado is 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 formed. I mean, it it is here. It's not just a a watch that the that there's a possibility of one, but a warning means we got one, and be aware and take cover. Uh, kind of split. Uh, as the storms track through coming from uh, the west crossing the river uh, in my area in the Ridgeland area it looked like that uh, that the worst part of it kind of split some went north some went south however it did appear that uh, most of the uh, the brunt of the storm was felt by the good folks to our southwest down in the Brookhaven area Lincoln County crossed over uh, there also some parts of Smith County, Rankin County. Uh, it, it seemed to be forming up and intensifying as it crossed I-55, and then it, when it got east of 55, looks like the weather intensified. 
but uh, I haven't heard about any sorts of casualties or major property damage or anything of the like. So you just let us know that I guess we've still got some issues with um, with power out, which I, I guess is to be expected because we had straight line winds and and uh, around the thunderstorms up to 70 miles per hour. Uh, hopefully we were spared of any major uh, damage from tornadoes, though. That's the thing we always worry about here in Mississippi. I'm a little shocked that we had that kind of weather, that the, that the conditions were were right uh, for a clash of air masses. It just didn't seem like that was the case to me. Normally, you know, it's really hot in the, this time of year when these fronts move through and the cold front uh, combines with the, the hot air mass over the area, and boom, that just ignites the storms. But this was kind of a weird one. Glad that it's out of here. looks like we've got decent weather. Is that what you're seeing, Rhino, for the rest of uh, Thanksgiving week? Oh, yeah, just nice and cool without being cold. A little cool. Well, we can deal with that. So I'm here at the Grammy Museum in uh, in Cleveland, uh, right adjacent, by the way, to Delta State University, uneventful drive up 49. And anytime I take that route, I I, I just feels like that um, you're sort of seeing kind of the origins of Mississippi. And I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I know that, of course, settlers landed on the coast first coming through the boats. But those that... Um, um, that settled in the delta of Mississippi, and uh, because they realized the ground was so so fertile and and um, um, so perfect for agriculture, which of course is necessary for us all to eat. But you come through here, and and it's, I mean, the, just the historic significance of the area is incredible. And and I'm I'm looking out now uh, on uh, the street that uh, that the Grammy Museum is located on also Delta State, which which intersects with the main street, the big boulevard. It's where we were last year downtown, represents downtown Cleveland. And the um, the Christmas decorations are up on the light poles, Rhino, and they are, of course, what you would expect. Guitars and horns and flutes and other musical instruments, uh, which is appropriate for the area, which is really cool. But I did a little little tour of uh, the museum i'll have to admit it's my first time to it folks you got to see it it's incredible it's world class and just walking back through history uh not only of uh, music and american music uh but uh just what a huge role the state of mississippi has played in uh the creation of the musical arts uh, no doubt about it in- incredible and looking at some of the old outfits rhino and and um, instruments as well just unbelievable the double bass set drum set used by um the drummer for leonard skinnard and and uh the leonard skinnard guitars uh telecaster um uh, guitar really cool all on display there the um uh, the case for the guitar just covered with stickers from all the travels just really neat stuff it's um and i could go on and on about the exhibits but i don't know that's kind of the last one i guess i looked at before we came on the air and just kind of remember that one how cool that is and was and and uh being an old old um i guess i could say an old uh, frustrated amateur drummer looking at the drum kits is uh, always a special thing as well and and uh, and then lots of uh history portraying 
the, uh, the, the, the Grammy Awards themselves and all kinds of really cool pictures uh, and video of that and discussion of that. Uh, even um, Michael Jackson, 1983. I, I don't know that I'll ever forget that one. It just kind of sticks in my head is when he um, uh, came out and, and originally, I think, did the moonwalk when he was uh, <laughs> at the Grammy uh, awards that year 1983 that was when the, the big album thriller of course was introduced it was a big old deal uh that's just one that, that stuck out but there's just plenty of others and uh, again so many notable fantastic uh mississippi muse- uh musicians featured in the museum as well given that this is the birthplace of American music, which is really cool. We've got uh, Hannah Aguzzi, Executive Director of the Cleveland Bolivar County Chamber of Commerce, on with us next. Emily Havens, the Executive Director of the Grammy Museum, has been on the show several times before, will join us. Anna Sledge, Director of Martin and Sue King Railroad Museum, wraps up Hour 1 of Middays. And then Gary gaines Paletti at 11.05, kicking off Hour 2 of the program. He's an alderman at large for the city of Cleveland and owner of Gaines Paletti Financial Services. Sarah Elward, a chair of Cleveland Tourism Commission, board of directors, and owner of the Wishing Well. That's a ladies' clothing store here in Cleveland. Sean Johnson, director of Visit Cleveland at 11.53. Hour three of the program, the afternoon portion, kicks off with Coach Todd Cooley. He's the Delta State University football coach and recently named the Gulf South Conference Coach of the Year for the second year in a row. Trisha Walker, retired director of Delta Music Institute at Delta State at 1220. And we finish today's program with Caitlin Thompson, director of the Cleveland Main Street program of some uh, notable attention uh, new from a news perspective in the state of mississippi you may have seen uh, you can find an article about it on the supertalk.fm website outgoing public service commissioner brent bailey he's called for an examination of the ballot boxes following his loss to challenger dekeither stamps representative dekeither stamps this is for the central district public service commissioner office um, he doesn't seem to be claiming any, any kinds of, any kind of, uh, election irregularities or anomalies. He's just exercising his right to call for just an examination is, is the way it's been termed of the ballot boxes from the general election. Of course, this is about a week after Mr. Stamps was declared by the AP the winner. And a little over 2,000 votes separated the candidates with 97% of the ballots that had been counted at the point the AP called the election for Mr. Stamp. So we'll keep an eye on that. Um, I think, Rhino, that wraps it up. Election 2019, I don't think any other, pardon me, 2019, 2023, um, none others are outstanding. It's all in the books, all done. We got all the offices decided. We're stepping aside for a break. The LOL Studio is at the Mississippi Grammy Museum, coming right back with Hannah Aguzzi with the Cleveland Bolivar County Chamber of Commerce. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. What? What? Yes. 
is so awesome. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. It's midday, Super Talk Mississippi. We are live at the Grammy Museum of Mississippi for Cleveland's 50 Nights of Lights. Of course, the Grammy Museum located in uh, the great city of Cleveland, Mississippi, the heart of the Delta. We welcome to the program now Hannah Aguzzi, Executive Director of the Cleveland Bolivar County Chamber of Commerce. Anna, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, and we really appreciate you guys being in Cleveland today. Well, we love being here. I, I got a little tour of the museum before we went on the air. It's incredible. It what is. an asset this is. Folks, if you haven't seen it, you got to come. you got to make the trip up here to Cleveland. And besides the museum, which is a fantastic attraction and very enjoyable, Lots of other stuff to do in Cleveland as well. Right? We do. We do. We have a huge lineup of events all throughout the season this year. Um, of course, you know, the biggest uh, attraction downtown is 50 Nights of Lights. Yeah. Uh, but definitely you need to come early so you have plenty of time to shop because we have some wonderful, wonderful shops downtown. Um, so certainly make a plan to come here. We've got plenty to do. Yeah. Awesome. So I, I'll just tell you, just driving in, of course, you, you pass through the uh, the Main Street. Uh, downtown, the beautiful boulevard there. I can't remember the name of the street, but it's it. The thing I notice, I always look at, especially in small towns, uh, because they they've gone through some, uh, I guess, metamorphosis and evolution through the years. <laughs> is that it? Looked to me like all the buildings, all the structures were occupied. They all had something in them. We're so very proud of that. We really are. It's incredible. Our downtown has been a group effort among our merchants, our city, the county, the. Um, the chamber, everyone here, enormous amount of volunteerism here in Cleveland to make our downtown so gorgeous. Yeah, and so you should be proud of that. But but also notice just that the traffic is brisk, and it just looks like uh, we got a thriving community here. We do, we do. We had to put a map out this year that showed where where extra parking was around downtown. <laughs> I mean, what a great problem to have. So tell us about uh, the fifty nights of lights and uh, what a big deal that is for the city of Cleveland. Well. We kicked that off um, the November uh, 11th weekend. Um, we had about 7,000 people show up for the annual tree lighting. And uh, the word on the street from uh, our merchants is they had a really great weekend. So we're really excited. Um, that just really kicks it off. But it'll be through the, the first of the year. So you've got plenty of time to come on to Cleveland from wherever you are and uh, and see the lights and and check out our shops. So what's the what's the schedule of activities look like exactly? Well, we have a number of things. Some are things that we're bringing back from years past, and then we've got some new and exciting events coming up. Um, this coming Saturday, we have something called the Merry Mug Walk, and you can <laughs> go you can go online or into some of the uh, merchants downtown, or um, or come to the chamber. We're selling mugs. They're about ten dollars 
$10 a piece, and they say, I love Christmas in Cleveland. And if you bring your mug to the participating merchants, then you're likely to get some yummy treats in your mug. Yeah. And um, and also take advantage of some discounts. Okay. Well, that, that's pretty cool. So uh, with respect to the Chamber of Commerce, what, what sort of uh, activities are you guys involved in? And, and, and just tell us about just the, the overall strength and um, uh, the, just the robustness of the Chamber of Commerce. Well, the Chamber uh, here in Cleveland is a little bit different than some Chambers uh, from other communities. Our Chamber of Commerce runs our economic development arm, our tourism okay. arm, our Main Street, our retirement community, okay. our young professional, our young professionals. Um, we just have uh, we have a great reach from that perspective, um, not to mention the membership. And so we run a lot of different programmings through our chamber of commerce okay yeah that is a little unusual so you got all that combined so you get sort of the strength of consolidation in that respect most certainly most certainly it's um it's really good because all of those things play into one another yeah you know what's good for one is is good for another and so it's great that we're able to line those up and streamline our efforts and initiatives here what about your membership how's that going it's going really well it is. Um, I'm really excited. You know, I really just started this uh, in this position in April. I've been uh, I've been in this community basically my whole life, and uh, just started in April. But I cannot tell you the amount of support that I have received uh, from the community with with respect to all of our programming areas. Yeah. So folks support it. They're they're willing to to um, engage, become members, stay members. That's the other thing you want. You want to make sure they stay in every year and and uh, uh, not only just pay dues but participate. Be That's part right. of it. That's right. And really, I, I I can't say enough about how that's made Cleveland um, and Bolivar County more successful, and that is all of us working together. Certainly, one person, one entity would not be able to make the impact uh, that we can make. Uh, collaboratively yeah and and the thing about cleveland is you you've actually got a fairly diverse economy right from an industry perspective you're not just totally reliant on agriculture which of course is huge in the delta that's right that's right we have we have industry across the board some of our you know top employers include uh those in education of course we have delta state university here um but we also have industry like baxter Healthcare and quality steel and you know but then healthcare is a big deal here too we've got a lot of of, um, of, of health care options. And so it's it's really a diverse setting for industry and business. Any uh, particular economic development projects, new investment that you're allowed to talk to us about? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you about one big project that we have going on. We're really excited about it in our uh, Charles Dean Industrial Park um, here. We needed to do some earthwork. Now, okay. that sounds really boring, but it is very, very important, thanks to the uh, Mississippi Development Authority and our Economic Development District, we're going to be able to dig out the uh, the earth here that's not very good and put in some good earth. Yeah. That way, when, um, when someone wants to pour a foundation, you don't have to worry about the, the stability of it. Yeah. So it's really kind of step one. 
for recruitment as it relates to industry. So okay. we're really excited. Like I said, it doesn't sound super flashy. Yeah. Certainly not as flashy as 50 Nights of Lights. Um, <laughs> you know, if you come to Cleveland and you really want to go see some earthwork, I'll be happy to show you. But I would, I would tell you, you probably appreciate going downtown more than you would watching that. So as the Chamber of, of Commerce, uh, well, what do you tell folks about the quality of life? I mean, that's, that's kind of what you're part of your job is and your mission oh most certainly and and really the quality of life here especially for a small town is incredible um i mentioned our merry mug walk that we have going on but you know we've already had a screen on the green or two which means you can bring the kids downtown let them watch a movie they had um we partnered with one of the local hospices and we were able to um have popcorn and candy and the kids run around and get to watch a movie and we'll do that several more times um we're one of the new things that we're doing this year is uh one of the weekends um we're gonna do uh trolley rides Hmm. we've got a trolley coming in it'll be totally free you'll get to ride around downtown on a trolley and see all the beautiful lights um those that's going to start november 30th and it'll go through the weekend and um and you know santa might show up so i'm just saying that might be a good weekend to try it out um of course our christmas parade is coming up that's huge um we're also doing ice skating again like we normally do this year for those who want a little extra adventure we have ice go-karts how about that i know i'm excited Where do you do that <laughs> you're gonna be able to do it right downtown <laughs> okay. um i can't wait to see how this is gonna work out i, I you know I'm, I'm excited about this though i i can see the kids getting excited about yeah. ice go-karts ice i'm thinking kind of like that. bumper cars on ice but, okay but you know i don't know so okay. this is new for us we're excited um and then of course uh we're going to bring back our carriage rides like we normally do as well so if you prefer to ride on a carriage drawn by a horse you can do that downtown well uh and and most importantly of course all these kind of things are are designed to first of all give people some some relaxation and recreation uh and but more importantly a reason to go downtown to come to town and of course the merchants love that uh the shops love that the restaurants the hotels etc you said earlier that they all reported a pretty good weekend right from a sales perspective yes they were they were really pleased with with our holiday open house weekend okay well that's 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 important because um, a lot of retailers, as you know, rely on this time of year for uh, a good chunk of their revenue. Yeah. It's pretty important. Yeah, it's, it's very important. Tourism is a, is huge here. We're so very fortunate because we have the Grammy Museum and the Bologna Performing Arts Center and Delta State and downtown and 50 Nights of Lights. These are all ways that attract people to Cleveland and and. Personally, we love yeah. seeing tourists come, you know, downtown to visit us and participate in in the activities that we have going on. That not only provides uh, a quality of life for people who live here, but creates a situation where you can drive to Cleveland and and have a great weekend or a great yeah. week or however long you want to stay. Makes sense. I mean, you can move here if you'd like. <laughs> and I appreciate the update. Really appreciate the update. And congratulations on all the success here in the city of Cleveland. And I know you're going to have a fantastic 50 nights of lights. Thank you. Thank you again for having me. We appreciate you being in Cleveland. You got it. Folks, we're at the Grammy Museum of Mississippi in Cleveland, Mississippi, for Cleveland's annual 50 nights of lights. We're stepping aside for a break. Emily Havens, executive director of the Grammy Museum, is up next. Attention, adoring fans. It's time for... 
Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. It's middays. We are live at the Grammy Museum of Mississippi with a little Tom Petty bumping us into this segment here at the Grammy Museum in Cleveland, Mississippi. We welcome now the executive director of the Grammy Museum, Mississippi, Emily Havens. Emily, good to see you. It's great to be here with you today, and I'm so glad to have you at the museum today. Well, appreciate you having us. We are uh, we're glad to be here, and uh, this time you and I are talking uh, in person as opposed to <laughs> through through our video link. Uh, did a little little walking through the museum. It's incredible. It's uh, it's spectacular. It is indeed a treasured asset, not only for Cleveland and the Delta, but honestly for uh, the state and the nation. Thank it's you. incredible. Yeah, thank you. I'm so glad you're here. I look to- forward to this time of year to uh, having y'all in Cleveland. It is great, and we've got some some new artifacts in and new exhibits, and so I can't wait to talk to you about it. Well, I, I saw one of the curators in there. Yep. Sprucing up one of the exhibits there, huh? So we're adding a um, beautiful outfit of Mary Wilson, the yeah. Supremes, of course, Mary's from Greenville. From Greenville. That's yeah. right. That's right. And so we're excited to be able to add a beautiful outfit of Mary's in um, John Bon Jovi. Yep, saw that. It, yep, that is brand new to us. Um, we also just um, added an outfit, a dress from Miranda Lampert from one of the Grammy Awards. So it's beautiful, and we're excited to be able to update artifacts and um, keeps people coming back to see um, new things at the museum. Well, the red jacket, the John Bon Jovi jacket, I'm a John Bon Jovi fan and and, uh, love their music. I don't remember him wearing that and then saw the photos and, and was just so impressed with that. But honestly, that kind of fits his personality, does it not, yeah. that red jacket? Yeah, and you know, uh, we work great with his team, his brother, actually. Um, and so we kind of told him what we were looking for, of course, adding him to the Grammy Legends case. And yeah. he was very excited about that. And so we really let uh, Matt and um, his brother and, and John work on that and decide what they wanted to send. And we were very excited to be able to add that outfit couple other things uh I don't, I don't know exactly what you call it help me describe it here emily but uh but the board uh the animated video board uh that just has kind of strings like look like spaghetti going across it's probably 15 20 feet in length four to six feet i guess in width and you see little circles with uh, various artists that are featured in here and you can just touch one of those and it blows up and gives you more information you've also got some headsets you can put on as well and 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 get kind of an uh, audio description of that artist i guess in their career and their accomplishments that's really well done that's neat thank you that is um probably uh, the highlight in the mississippi gallery for sure so that's our mississippi river table okay and um and that table has um all mississippians on it, but okay. it also has artists that have been influenced by Mississippian or even um artists that have been influenced or has have influenced okay and so it's really all about mississippi and so of course there's you can read and learn a lot about mississippians on that table but you also can pick up artists like taylor swift and see how taylor bonnie rakes yeah that's right how she her influences go back into mississippi fragment dowel and things like that and so it's really interesting to see all the connections that mississippi has and all the artists that are um that come from this state and how they've influenced american music and different artists and also been influenced by them 
So it's really an incredible learning experience. I love to see kids own it because they're not just looking at their favorite artists. They're also seeing how they connect back to this state. And in most cases, they all connect back to this state Unbelievable. somehow. Yeah. Uh, something else I noted that uh, is a theme that's featured I thought was really cool is uh, Highway 61 and the references to that. Our brand new exhibit. We opened it in August and it really tells the story of how Highway 61, the music, the genres that were born along it, how it played a role in American music. And so we celebrate all the artists and the music from New Orleans all the way up to St. Louis, but really heavy between New Orleans and Memphis. Um, mm-hmm. The artists are really, it's amazing. And the songs and the music, and we have a great playlist that goes along with it. So if you're taking that road trip from St. Louis to New Orleans, it's a great, uh, it, it fits that uh, mileage perfectly. So it's a great way for you to uh, remember all those songs and then come to the museum and celebrate that with great artifacts and awards and timelines. And uh, it's a fun little road trip within that exhibit. Yeah, that's re- really cool. Really well done. I, I, I um, took a moment just to kind of take in the, the really large black and white photo that's as part, in part of that exhibit that features a couple of vehicles on 61, one yeah. traveling in opposite directions there. I think from like the 40s, 50s time frame when so much of the music was created along that corridor. Really yeah. incredible. Well, it was fun. It was fun. We, this is the second exhibition that we have we have written and curated. Um, and I have to tell you, Commissioner Willie Simmons, really one of his ideas, um, he um, was passionate, of course, about... about yeah, Transportation Commission right. of Central District. That's yeah. right. And he is really passionate. So he really dug in with us. And, of course, it's the 50th anniversary of our Recording Academy Memphis chapter. And so they also stretch from New Orleans to St. Louis. So it was just a perfect time to celebrate this exhibit and bring all these artifacts and these photos and, um, and, and, and great interviews. I don't know if you had a chance to check out the interviews, but we've got great living history interviews of B.B. King at Dockery. Um, we've got great ones of um, Carla Thomas and um, Sam Phillips. And I mean, it's just really incredible, really deep and uh, rich um, content in that exhibit. You can't help but notice, uh, Emily, just how much Mississippi has played such a huge role uh, in American music, and, and that is uh, certainly exhibited and, and featured in this museum. For sure. And, again, one of my favorite things to share with, with people that um, from all over the world, from all over the country, and it's all, they're always surprised at either one artist or one song or something they didn't know. So they walk away from the museum learning things. You know, as we're in this lobby and looking up here at Leotine Price, See that, yeah. uh, I love to celebrate her. And she's one of the one people that we first, when kids come in, we first tell um, students about her and her mm-hmm. story and, and what she, the mark she made in opera and so in Sam Cook and so Mississippi is really all over this museum. We're so excited to be um, a part of the music um, footprint and the tourism footprint, but really about education and being able to share this with generations and generations so that they uh, keep telling our story. You know, I, I always uh, ask our friend Steve Azar about what, what is it about Mississippi, you know, that uh, has, has been the birthplace of so many world-class musicians and so many that just shaped the music we all listen to today even modern music to some extent has some roots um, in the original music that came out of the area and he just said that mississippians are just great storytellers yeah you know yeah for sure and it is really about storytelling and that's again one of the things that we make sure that students know when we teach them how to songwrite is you're telling your story of that day or that year or or whatever and and so many mississippians you know I, we have 
Mac McAnally. Yeah. Is he the greatest storyteller ever? Unbelievable artist. Absolutely. And I'm from this state, loves our state, great music ambassador. And one of the best uh, storytellers, one of our board members, Bill Simmons, um, he would always tell me that um, Matt McAnally was the Mark Twain of, uh, of our time, and uh, and I believe it. And he's just one of many in this state. They're able to take stories and make them into wonderful music that speak to us. And no a song remembers when for sure. No doubt. What's uh, what's on the boards? Anything you guys are working on? You can talk to us about. Well, I mean, we we're kind of wrapping up our programming this year. We've got a couple more of our Fitbeat exercise classes. They're a free program for the community um, on December second and December sixteenth. Um, our, we have a sold-out show on December 4th, our annual Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, a Delta Little Christmas, I'm sorry. Yeah, gotcha. um, and it is, is sold out, and we're excited to be able to bring the Buford Sisters um, and Fish Mickey back to town and Trisha Walker and the Cahoma Community College, uh, Jan Brock, and it's just going to be Jim Trotter. It's going to be a great program here in the museum. And then we'll get ready to announce our 2024 programming in, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Now, it, the museum absolutely does play host to visitors and tourists that tour the museum from all over the world. Uh, what, what do you hear from some people that maybe never been to Mississippi, uh, never certainly been to this museum? They walk through it, they take it all in, they come out. I, I got to believe they're forever influenced and impacted about their perception of this state. For sure, and, and definitely impressed. And so I think they probably, some come with a perception of the state, yeah. um, and they leave with a, a completely different perspective of this state and, uh, and the history of the state. And I think Mississippi is doing a great job of capturing what we've done really great um, in music and storytelling and um, our music history and legacy, and I think that will live on. And I love sh- being able to share that with visitors from all over the world. We have lots of um, tours left this year with American Queen, our river but those are some of the um, visitors that are in and out of here every single month. And they're always um, interested and they always learn something new. And sometimes they know way more than we yeah, do. About yeah, that. they've researched it. Yes. And I mean, they're students yes. of it. It's, it's like a hobby to them. Absolutely. And, and so this is a destination, whether they're on the river, and we certainly hope that they come back and make a road trip on Highway 61. Yeah. Um, but it really is um, an honor to be able to uh, be at this museum and share that, um, that history and be a part of people changing in their mind, learning something about our state, uh, learning about music, and, and being a part of that. Well, no doubt it, it is it is a tremendous asset, not only for Cleveland and the Delta, but the entire state of Mississippi and the, the country and the world. Uh, it's it's world class, folks. You got to come see it. Emily, appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having us here Thanks, today. Right, I appreciate it. Folks, we're taking a break right now. We're in the Element Well studio at the Grammy Museum of Mississippi. We're coming right back with Anna Sledge, the director of Martin and Sue King Railroad Museum. Stay with us. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. All right, we are back on Super Talk Mississippi.
The smooth vocals of Gladys Knight bumping us into this segment here of Middays. We're at the Grammy Museum of Mississippi in Cleveland, Mississippi, for the 50 Nights of Lights. We welcome to the program now Anna Sledge, director of Martin and Sue King Railroad Museum. Anna, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. So uh, tell us about the the museum, the Railroad Museum. Well, we um, are open Tuesday through Friday, 1030 to 430 and Saturday 10 to 2 but right now with the 50 nights of lights that it changes a lot okay. we're open a lot later um for the lighting and um and we have a lot of event free events right now all of our events that we have at um the museum during the lights are all free What's what's the significance? What's the connection to this area, to Cleveland? The railroad used to come through here, and Martin was the Martin King was the mayor, mm-hmm. and um, it's all donated stuff, and it is really a gem. We have people come in all the time that have been to multiple railroad museums that say that ours is the best. So. We love for people to come out and see us. And it's it's a free entry to the museum every day. We do have a gift shop, and we take donations. Okay. And rail, rail transportation, significant to the development of this region, of the Delta region. Absolutely. A hundred percent. We uh, wouldn't be here without it. Yeah. Yes, sir. Amazing. I mean, because it just started out as big open parcels of land and forest. <laughs> right. Really? And, right. And so you could grow stuff, but it, if you didn't have a way to get uh, supplies to it and get, or and get, get it out. And get right. it out. Yep. Yeah. You were, you were in a mess. That's exactly right. And, um, and it obviously went straight through, um, the middle of town. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, we, we, I mean, our, our, the museum has everything in it. We have, of course, the, uh, model railroad and then we have um lots and lots of artifacts that are just not necessarily to the railroad but just to the um hey yeah. to the uh to the delta in general an o-gauge model railroad yes, right that's exactly it's kind of right. the bigger size right. most yes, people sir. would identify the, it, the line l trains with that and we're um set up to look like the delta not necessarily cleveland but just the delta in the um 50s and but we do have a dockery plantation and we do have um po monkeys I mean, that's cool and you got an old caboose too right we do we do that you can walk on to like from the 40s isn't that right? Yes, that's yeah. exactly right. And you can walk onto it, and um, and it's set up. There's a um, there's a stove in there. There's seats in there. There's um, a conductor outfit. You can just see what it was, what it would have been like to be on there. Yeah, and rely on private donations, right? That's to right. Operate the yes, museum. sir. And um, and we do have a gift shop now, and um, so. That's that's exactly what that's runs cool. it in the um, tourism. So, do you find that when people come, perhaps to to visit the Grammy Museum where we are, do they also make the trek over yes, to the railroad I, museum? I would say both. Take them both yeah, in, yes, sir. Yeah. And we, um, the American Queen comes in to town, and uh, so they bus people. We we do a lot of tours like that, a lot of school tours, um, and then then we do. I mean, we're busy most days, especially this time of year. Yeah. That's really because cool. Because there is a lot of people in Cleveland for the lights. 
that are sure. just just around looking in general. Well, there are other railroad museums, I think, in in the nation, but this is considered like one of the top, if not the top, right? It, it is, yes, sir. We we really it, it's not large, but we get just we really do get rave reviews. Yeah, we do. And like I said, the American Queen, you have people from, I mean, all over the not just the country but the world, and we're. Always, always get great reviews, so we, which we greatly appreciate. Have you got uh, some some new exhibits, perhaps uh, on the board? You thinking about? Well, we change out in the model a okay. lot, yes, sir, okay. and and it's constantly being worked on. And then we uh, we have the people whenever they donate something, we're always putting it out. Um, so well, we would just love for people to come see us, love for them to donate. Yeah. And we have a lot going on, um, especially in December for the 50 Nights of Lights. We're going to have um, breakfast with Santa. We'll have milk and cookies with Santa before the Christmas parade. We're having two character days that um, we'll have superheroes come in. We'll have princesses come in. Um, we'll have the Grinch. We're going to have Miss Claus making cookies. <laughs> We have a lot, a lot going on, and again, Very cool. all of our events are free, so we uh, want everybody to come out and, and bring their kids or bring themselves out. Sounds like fun, and appreciate you yes, coming sir. on and talking to us about the Martin and Sue King Railroad Museum right here in Cleveland, Mississippi, folks. It's top of the hour. That means it's time for Fox News and Super Talk News. Once again, we're at the Grammy Museum of Mississippi for Cleveland's 50 Nights of Lights. Coming right back with Gary gaines Paletti, Alderman at Large for the city of Cleveland. Stay with us. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Hour two of Middays. We are live at the Grammy Museum of Mississippi in Cleveland, Mississippi. We're here for the Cleveland 50 Nights of Lights. What an incredible celebration that is for the great city of Cleveland. And speaking of the city, we welcome to the program now Gary gaines Paletti, alderman at large for the city of Cleveland, also owner of gaines Paletti Financial Services. Mr. Alderman, good to see you, sir. Great seeing you, Gerard. We go way back. It's always fun. We do. So I, I got to tell that story briefly before we kick off here that uh, you were one of our, our early customers. We're so appreciative for um, you and your firm in, in embracing uh, us as your partner in that regard. We installed one of the first local area networks in the state uh, that uh, you guys used at your, your CPA firm here yes. in Cleveland. Yes. We came up, did a site survey, and figured out a, a system that we thought would work for you. came up and installed it. I can't say it was without its challenges, but the technology was a little different in 1986 
this. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, now we now we do this thing like it's second nature, and it's just uh, everything gets everything gets more complicated, and it's way over my head. So I, <laughs> I rely on people like you to get me there. <laughs> I don't know if I can do it anymore, but uh, certainly appreciate uh, you seeing fit. Uh, to uh, do business with us back then and and as you know you guys served as a fantastic reference force uh for others as well but accounting firms were early adopters and and there was technology and applications that accounting firms could use truly to improve efficiencies of operating accounting firm you guys knew that absolutely we we actually started putting some of the paper aside (laughs) (laughs) and it's hard to believe that's the way it used to be nobody can remember that right right Right. yeah my son kind of jokes around the office about us using stones and chisels. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, all right, so uh, the city of Cleveland, uh, Gary, in your role as alderman, looks like it is thriving. Uh, just driving through here this morning and, and, of course, being here last year, and I've been through the area a couple of times since. You guys seem like you're kind of defying the odds and doing pretty well here. You know, it's uh, we're absolutely so blessed. Uh, thank God we have a great, great mayor and a great city board, and, and we've done a lot to work with uh, the downtown area particularly but cleveland in general to to create an environment where business can really thrive yeah and uh you know you go see 50 nights of lights and you go holy joke man <laughs> how did you do this and and there were some resolute volunteers that made this happen and and it's so amazing to think that we have a Right at 170 different lighted caricatures downtown. And probably the more important thing, every one of those were, were donated by private companies or individuals. Yeah. And the city did a lot of infrastructure work to make it possible. And so when you take the public and private money that's in it, it's, it's a little over three-quarters of a million dollars. Hmm. But it's become a spectacle. You know, uh, we had one of the aldermen this morning said that, Saturday was one of the biggest days he's had all year, and most of the customers were from out of town. That's awesome. So, so they're coming. But man, when you can bring the folks into the area, because the reality is they're spending their money, and uh, and that's registering on the sales tax meter. And well, that's your source of revenue. And that's I'm glad you said that. I went back and I looked at our sales tax. And five years ago. And the reason I did that is because I wanted to go back before COVID, and then it includes that two- or two-and-a-half-year period where we had so many closures. Our general sales tax revenue that comes back to the city is up 15% since that period of time. Awesome. But the crazy thing is is our tourism tax revenue is up 47%. Wow. That that's almost insane. A lot of people coming to Cleveland. We got a lot to offer in the city. Well, they're 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 not just coming to Cleveland. They're obviously spending, spending the money. Night. Yeah. They're spending the spending night, the night with the tourism. And they're tax. eating. Yeah. Because that's where we get our tourism tax for. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that that is awesome. And and uh, I, honestly, when you consider some of the other areas of the country that uh, tourists may seek. It's brutally expensive, and, it, and it's it's really it's not here. I mean, especially when you consider the value of the attractions relative to your investment. Right. You know, and I, I shouldn't it shouldn't go without saying. You know, we have we have a lot that was put into Fifty Nights of Lights, but probably the most amazing thing to me, my wife and I walked down there the night of the opening, and the storefronts and the stores themselves, what the merchants have done, is just incredible. I mean, it, it it makes Cleveland look like a Hallmark Christmas card. Unbelievable. 
everybody seems to really uh, get into it and buy in and, and wants to make it the spectacle that it is and the attraction that it is. We were talking to uh, Hannah Aguzzi earlier, of course, with the Cleveland Bolivar County Chamber of Commerce. And, I, and I, I just made the comment, Gary, and the observation going through downtown, the main street there, the beautiful boulevard, uh, every, every shop, every, every um, structure has got occupation. I mean, every, every is, everyone's occupied. So you must be doing something right uh, in, in this day and age. It doesn't matter what size town or city it is. Usually you see some vacancies, some right. emptiness. I didn't see that at all. Right, and and you won't. We have people begging for locations downtown. We just don't have any. Unbelievable. Well, that's good. Um, so we were talking about the tourism tax and, and, and of your sales tax. So I, I'm assuming then that from a financial perspective, it's something you guys have to worry about as, as the um, alderman. You're in good shape there. Well, you know, yes, I will say we are in good shape. The city of Cleveland is doing quite well. Uh, we, we would obviously like to be better, but it just the, the cost of maintaining a city now with with just infrastructure is is off the charts. It, it's so hard to do it, and and I know a lot of towns around us have to be struggling because we struggle every year to balance our budget, yeah. and we do. Sure, we, you know, unlike the federal government, we balance our budget. Every sure, year. have to. You can't print money. That's right. Yeah, um, something that uh, Gary, I've talked about quite a bit on the show. You may have heard it, written an article a couple of weeks about it. It's been widely read and distributed. Is the Public Employees Retirement System, also known as PERS? Yes, which. Uh, uh, it looks like it might impose a financial burden on uh, a municipality such it, as Cleveland. It is. I mean, I, I, I'm a little lost for the numbers right now, but I think it's like another 6% increase or somewhere in that range. They sit now they're kind of ha- uh, leaning on 2% per year until they achieve the actuarial defined contribution rate, which right now sits at about 10% beyond the 17.4% current employer contribution rate, right. 2% a year. So, um, who knows where that'll land at this point? Well, I mean, the, the, and I'm, I'm grateful that our employees at the city have this opportunity because it is a wonderful retirement plan. No doubt. But the, there's no one in the private sector like me and you and other people who maintain their own businesses who can afford to put 26% into retirement plans. That's a huge number. I agree. You know, I, uh, typically in the private sector, as you well know, you have many clients, we usually look at about a 20% burden rate on top of uh, compensation. Sure. But in the state, in the public sector, it's 40% when you consider PERS in there. Right. Right. I mean, it, it, and it's, it's a burden not just on the city, but on the universities, on the counties. Yeah, everybody Agencies. has to, everybody has to swallow this pill. Well, I know a lot, lots of, uh, mayors and, and, and city government officials across the state are concerned about this and, um, maybe, um, thinking about going to the state, seeing if there's some way they could assist in, in covering this additional burden. Right. Well, I'm, you know, these things are, a little bit out of our control because this this whole thing is actuarially determined. That's right. That's and, exactly and, right. And I maybe some thought needs to be put into how they do the long term of that compensation because in the business I'm in, I have teachers that I saw retire 25 years ago, and. Their PERS, and I'm not talking bad about this, but yeah. their, their PERS retirement and their Social Security is substantially more than they were making when they, they were, were working. working. No doubt about it. 
And it, it, it kind of makes you scratch your head a little bit <laughs> at, a, at a minimum, right? Yes, yes. Uh, uh, what uh, What do you see on the horizon for it? We got about thirty seconds left uh, for the city of Cleveland. Th- things are going great right now. You got some new uh, investment coming in, perhaps. Well. If you, I know you hadn't had a chance to ride around Cleveland, but uh, we've worked with a marketing company for the last several years. And one of the things that we finally woke up to the fact that we have kind of become a retail mecca for the Delta. Yeah. And so we, we have been encouraging retail development and even reaching out beyond Cleveland. You know, just, just in the last couple of years, uh, Tractor Supplies come here, Harbor Freight just a few months ago, McAllister's, and, and we continue to uh, draw attention to these companies to show them that we're gaining, we're, we're getting the public support, not just from Cleveland, but the surrounding That's area. Good. That's good. That and that retail goes back to your statement that started this conversation, and that generates sales tax revenue. Right, and that's uh, your primary source of revenue. All right. Yeah. Gary, good to see you, sir. Appreciate you coming on, and uh, congratulations on all the success here in the city of Cleveland. Great. Thank you, Gerard. Always my pleasure to be with you. Yes, sir. Folks, we're stepping aside for a break right now. The Element Well Studio has been relocated to the Grammy Museum of Mississippi in Cleveland, Mississippi, for the 50 Nights of Lights. We'll coming right back. And now, the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Now, on to the real part. On Super Talk Mississippi. Greg Okasik and the cars bumming us into this segment here of Middays. We are live at the Grammy Museum of Mississippi in beautiful Cleveland, Mississippi, for the Cleveland Cleveland 50 Nights of Lights Christmas celebration. We appreciate you joining us today. I saw some text rhino on the ceasefire text line that indicated... Let's see, there was some damage around the Collins area. Tornado hit Collins and produced some bad damage. Sorry to hear that. We'll see if we can get some details on that. Also, Michael in Brookhaven said it hit, uh, the temperature hit 82 degrees yesterday. That certainly would explain the, uh, the bad weather that moved through Lincoln County in that area and why it was likely worse down there and the storms were more intense and conditions more ripe for spawning tornadoes um, and, and that was just in response when michael sent that in i was just talking about the temperature yesterday and i didn't i didn't realize that michael so certainly a bit warmer um in the southwest corner of the state versus what it was here uh, or should say in central mississippi yesterday typically when you have that warm kind of juicy atmosphere uh, in advance of a front you can almost expect that you're going to have some bad weather coming through. That's what we see a lot in the spring and also this time of year as well. Let's see. Is this um, is this an equinox day, uh, Rhino, or is that that's next month, isn't it, in December? Isn't that right? I think so. 
Uh, well, the equinox was in September. All right. Well, there's something else. Uh, what happens in yeah the equinox when we um, the days the solstice will be a couple of days solstice. before Christmas. Yeah, it'll be December. 21st. That's what I was thinking about. The winter solstice. Solstice. Thank you. That had kind of escaped me. Thomas and Greenwood on the ceasefire text line says cities can't print money, but they can dang sure shift the burden on others through tax increases. What do you mean by others, Thomas? I mean, are just in in uh, in the case of cities, what do you mean by others? Because most of their income, generally speaking, comes from sales taxes. So by others, that would mean everyone who buys anything in that city is incurring a tax. So I'm not really sure what you mean by that. Uh, let's see here. Also, uh, was looking at the holiday travel predictions for Thanksgiving. The airlines are reportedly bracing for what is expected to be record Thanksgiving air travel. It typically is the week of the year when most Americans do fly for travel. They expect, do the airlines that uh, this particular week, this Thanksgiving travel period, will see the most air travelers ever, ever in the history of the country. They, they indicate that airfare is cheaper this year than it was last year, and that some consumers who put it off, who put off traveling last year, and who are feeling a little better, I guess, feeling like they're catching up to inflation. Wages not quite in excess of inflation over the, the Biden three-year period, but starting to catch up, mainly because inflation is moderating a bit. But uh, I think what we got to take a look at in and uh, really observe is just how well Rhino these airlines are going to be able to to deal with the record travel. There have been a series of, of, of uh, delays that have occurred, as you recall, over the last year or so. The, the, the biggest, I guess, would be Southwest Airlines when their IT systems just totally crashed, unable to... Uh, to operate and keep the airline moving and just started canceling flights like crazy. Their IT systems have have been on the verge of such failures. The company admitted they did not invest adequately in constantly uh, upgrading uh, those systems, and they ultimately paid for it. So I saw where I think it's United has announced now that uh, you can make flight changements, rebooking, if you will, on the app, on the United Airlines app. It's typical when you're traveling and you have these change of, of uh, itineraries from the airlines because they're canceling flights due to weather or systems or any other sorts of causes for delays. Usually you got to stand in line and uh, visit with uh, an agent of the airline in person to rebook but now apparently they've implemented the ability to do that in the app in the mobile app so uh, that certainly would be welcome for those who uh, experience that one of the causes for concern as we approach the busy travel a uh, few days here is that there is a bad weather 
scheduled to impact the uh, the east coast and in particular the the populated northeastern region of the country man if you start seeing bad weather impose delays on those big old airports LaGuardia in New York for example Kennedy Philadelphia Newark Boston that's going to be a big old mess you can count on that uh, for sure but that's the that's the prediction at this point the uh, TSA expects to screen 30 million passengers between the 17th, just a few days ago, through the 28th. They say that will be the most ever, with Sunday after Thanksgiving expected to be the busiest day during that, that uh, several-day period, with an estimated 2.9 million passengers flying on uh, commercial airplanes. That is incredible. Of course, the TSA says they're ready, and you saw Pete Buttigieg, right? He held a press conference yesterday. Did he not, Rhino, where he was talking about that? Uh, perhaps the most ill-equipped person ever to hold that job. I think you could argue. But he likes trains. But he, That's why he's qualified, right? Uh, Time had an interesting article about how the storms – that will be rolling through, especially, again, the, the northeastern part of the country are expected to uh, impact travel. It's, it's also expected, according to AAA, that this could be the busiest travel by automobile uh, through the Thanksgiving holiday period in the history of the country. That's just fascinating. So I think people are are just uh, ready to get out, and you've got to believe that some of this is left over from the the COVID lockdowns, right? I think it's safe to say that. Speaking of COVID, <laughs> new report indicates that oh my gosh, it's hard to believe, but that some seven point five trillion, I think, is the figure. I want to make sure I get that to you right. Was spent. Maybe a little less than that, just as uh, structured as COVID relief. COVID relief, yep, 7.5. That is really since, if you will, um, the, the COVID uh, the COVID pandemic, I guess, was officially declared back in 2020. And this is from the Heritage Foundation. And they lay it out, all the money that was spent. Uh, in the form of what is described as COVID relief, seven point five trillion, and gotta say, folks, a good bit of that goes back to twenty twenty uh, under Donald Trump. Good chunk of that was spent during that final year of his presidency, leading up uh, to the election. It's just a staggering amount of money, honestly. And uh, that is a reason why we have significantly high inflation. When you inject that much money into the economy, you're just going to end up uh, with that situation of inflation, just overheating the money supply. In 2020, $2.3 in just March. That was the CARES Act and... And there was another coronavirus relief bill. Uh, and then there was uh, also a December 2020 stimulus package that was passed under Donald Trump just before he exited office. office. It, I 
amounted to another $932 billion. And then, of course, Joe Biden gets in office and says to Donald Trump, hold my beer. And he passes, with no Republican support, a $1.9 trillion American rescue plan. And then, of course, the big infrastructure act, unfortunately supported by numerous Senate Republicans that came in at 1.2 trillion. The Inflation Reduction Act, which is anything but, at about 600 billion. Non-defense appropriation for 21, 22, 23, 172 billion. Those were increases there. So then, of course, Ukraine aid coming in at about 113 billion. So we just spend money, whether we got it or not. That's why we got a bunch of inflation and stunning deficits. Stepping aside, coming right back with Sarah Elward, chair of the Cleveland Tourism Commission. Stay with us. What your life can truly be. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. It is on Super Talk, Mississippi. Skinner, simple man, bumping us into this segment here of Middays. We are live at the Grammy Museum of Mississippi in Cleveland, Mississippi, for the 50 Nights of Lights. Fantastic Leonard Skinner exhibit, by the way, here at Rhino. It really is something to behold. Instruments, including the double bass drum set and Telecaster guitar, lots of the outfits, really cool stuff. We welcome to the program now Sarah Elward, chair of Cleveland Tourism Commission, board of directors, and owner of the Wishing Well. That is a ladies' clothing store. Uh, Sarah, good to see you. Thanks for coming on. Welcome. Welcome to the home of the Grammy Museum of Mississippi, home of Delta State University, the Fighting Okra, home of 50 Nights of Lights and historic downtown Cleveland. That's a mouthful. There's a bunch going on here. Yes, it is a bunch going on in Cleveland, Mississippi. Let's start with the museum. It's incredible, isn't it? It is, and we've seen an uptick of visitors here coming to the museum. We've seen school buses coming through. We've seen ladies' groups. It's really exciting to have the museum here in Cleveland, Mississippi. Yeah, it's awesome. Awesome. And uh, the Fighting Okra slash Statesman, they're doing pretty well, too, this year, aren't they, in football? We are. We have our chance at the national championship um, game if we win, win this game this weekend. And the last time, I was a student at Delta State University when we actually won the national championship. Yeah, exciting. Uh, semifinals this weekend, right? Yes, at 1 o'clock. Um, there will be you'll, and we also have a basketball game Saturday night. So we're going to see an uptick of traffic this weekend with people here cheering on the statesmen and also Fifty Nights of Lights. Coach Todd Cooley, second year in a row. Yes, right? exciting. Uh, exciting. Golf, a Gulf South Conference, pardon me, uh, Coach of the Year. Yes, he is impressive. And very deserving, and he's done a really good job at recruiting people. And he's also recruited some of people that I went to school with. Their children are now back. Really? playing at Delta State University, and it's fun <laughs> to watch them on the field. Well, it's a tremendous asset uh, to, obviously, Cleveland, but to the Delta and the state overall. 
we had on Dr. Annis on the program uh, a few weeks ago, and, and he was discussing his plan to address uh, some of the financial challenges. It's, and honestly, it's not unusual. Colleges across the nation, universities, are experiencing uh, lower enrollment, and, and they're all dealing with uh, financial challenges. But sounded like he's got uh, a pretty achievable plan, and, and we'll get the, the ship back on track there. He is, and he brings a lot of energy to the university right now that we're really excited about. Um, I go to church with Dr. Ennis and mm-hmm. his wife, and he was leaving to go out of town, but he said, I'll be back for that football game. <laughs> and it is exciting to see some your president so energetic at our games and on our campus and in our community. No doubt about it. It's infectious. People mm-hmm. see that, and uh, they get excited and and, and motivated, and that, no doubt when you, especially when you're you're addressing some challenges, that's that's a critical aspect of the solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's got the he's got the entire community behind him. Good, that's good to hear. So we just talked to uh, Alderman Gary Gainspoletti, an old friend of mine from the business world, and he was talking about the uh, j- just the economic climate here in the city of Cleveland, Bolivar County in general, just seems to be doing pretty well. Tourism is up. I can speak on that for sure. Um, We're seeing an uptick. I don't know if it's people are wanting to stay closer to home and make trips and travel here, but we're seeing a lot of people coming downtown, shopping from Oxford, Starkville, Madison, Arkansas, Tennessee, Texas. I mean, all over that they're coming in and they're staying in our boutique hotels and they're shopping downtown Cleveland. And they're really attracted to the small, walkable downtown. It's so unique. cool, really is so cool. Uh, and it's it's kind of a um, a relic, if you will, of of the old days when that's where you went to shop. You went to the downtown areas. You didn't have all the suburban type shopping centers. And it seems to be a bit of a resurgence in interest in that. It's it's neat. It's convenient. And there's such a variety, and the shops are so well done. Gary was talking about the storefronts. It looks like, he says, it looks like they're all in competition uh, with each other to uh, really outdo themselves in the storefronts. Well, right after Oktoberfest, they start putting up the lights. Yeah. And the city of Cleveland is working every day down there. And when you see them, that energy downtown, you want to be a part of it. And it makes you, kind of drives you to do a little bit more, to maybe to make your windows sparkle a little bit more, have a little bit more magic to it. Yeah, no doubt about it. So I just shared um, in the last segment I was talking about AAA, expecting this to be record in the history of the country, uh, travel during the uh, the Thanksgiving holiday period, and the airlines, the uh, the, uh, the FAA, the, the TSA are all expecting that this will be the most passengers they will service during this busy uh, Thanksgiving travel period ever in the history of our country. Do you feel like that uh, the tourism will spike here in Cleveland? I mean, it just kind of corresponds with that? I do. I do. We're seeing our hotels booking up. We're offering midweek rates. Our hotels are booking up on the weekends, too. I think for here in Cleveland, they're wanting a charming, magical experience with the 50 nights of lights in the shopping. So we're seeing a lot of um, two-day, three-night stays here. Um, Also, like Black Friday is big here. I know you think of the the big box stores. Yeah. 
But people come here and they want to shop, and they're going to get the most beautiful packages in Cleveland, Mississippi, <laughs> too, to put under their tree. Sounds like the merchants uh, try to outdo each other in that category the same way they do lighting up their windows, their storefront windows. <laughs> most definitely. Who can make the biggest bow or the biggest impact in their packages? I mean, that is part of the the gift is the package yeah, that you're receiving. Absolutely. Uh, do you ever get a chance? Um, Sarah, to just visit and interact with folks that have never been here before and it's their first time, what what kind of reaction do you hear if you do? Well, it's, as a business owner, you are like a tour guide. They come in and they want to know where do the locals eat, yeah. where do the locals shop, what do they do. And it's really interesting to see how they stumbled upon Cleveland. There was one couple that came, and they did not know 50 Nights Lights were going okay. out. They were touring the Delta. They went to Clarksdale. They went to Greenwood. They came to Cleveland. But they booked on 50 Nights Lights. And that was an interesting how they how they ended up in Cleveland but knew nothing about one of the biggest nights in Cleveland. Um, you see a lot of people that are just traveling through and they want to stop and stay somewhere. They stay because the Cotton House is actually a Marriott. So yeah. they, they booked and they saw it through that, you know, yep. that. Yep. They're coming to the Grammy Museum. They heard about the train museum. They wanted to see the river. It's amazing to see people who've never huh. seen the river. I'll be done. Or they wanted to go to Dockery's Farm. And there are some crazy folks out there for pottery. <laughs> yeah, that, that uh, very much so. A lot of enthusiasts in that. I, I know some. That, I never never thought about that. So um, I, I hope that what you hear is from those out-of-staters that come in, that uh, they share with you that maybe they came in with a different impression than they leave with. Most definitely. I think people have a different um interpretation of what mississippi is and when they get here they fall in love with the people and the charm and you know the atmosphere that we provide here yeah no doubt about it and of course uh, uh the delta so unique uh, in the state of Mississippi, Mississippi is blessed with um, kind of a diverse makeup in, in, from a cultural perspective and, and uh, just a, a geographic perspective as well. Uh, it, I think it's what makes the, the state so special. Uh, but the, but to come here and and, and you've kind of got the old side by side with the new. I mean, there's so much history here, especially in the Delta. Uh, and, and then, but you've got so much new as well. And, and when those are, when the history is preserved, such as what we have in the Grammy Museum here, and that's kind of side by side, it gives you a perspective of, uh, just the, just the, the rich history of the state itself. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's really cool. Really cool. Um, how about working with the private sector? Um, Sarah, how does that work as far as the Tourism Commission working hand-in-hand with the private sector to collaborate just to, just to attract visitors? Well, we do a lot of marketing. Yeah. We do a whole lot of marketing. Sean's, who's coming on next, he's yep. going to talk a lot about the different things that he's doing here. But Sean is a transplant here. Okay. He is not. Um, I think I remember that. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's not from Cleveland, but he has fallen in love with Bolivar County. That's awesome. In Cleveland, Mississippi. Um so we're excited to have him and excited for you to, him to tell you a little bit more about tourism in Cleveland. So just getting the word out. That's yes. the main thing. Yes. And, and, and the, uh, company, the merchants, the stores, the uh, the private sector businesses support that. Yes, most definitely. Mm-hmm. 
But, you know, they each have their own story to tell, too. Yeah, sure. That make the big story to talk about that's, when it comes to downtown. Absolutely, and that's cool. Sarah, appreciate you coming on and talking to us about uh, the great city of Cleveland here. And, and, folks, you need to come see it for yourself. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. We're stepping aside for a break right here. The Element Well Studio is located today at the Grammy Museum of Mississippi. When we return after the break, it's Sean Johnson, director of Visit Cleveland. Stay with us. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. We'll do it live on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone it's middays we are live today in cleveland mississippi at the grammy museum of mississippi for cleveland's 50 nights of lights and we welcome to the program now sean johnson director of visit cleveland sean good to see you again good to see you too so uh first let's talk about this museum what an incredible asset uh, this is it has got to make your job hopefully a little easier when you're trying to um, attract people to cleveland in the area because uh, this is an asset that is world class for sure absolutely is and and speaking world class we have international travelers coming through the delta and the state tourism puts them together everybody wants to come to the grammy museum got to it's unbelievable what a fantastic experience so well done and and just such a pleasure and a joy to walk through and and you're just kind of in awe honestly when you stop and take in some of the artifacts Mm-hmm. And just knowing the history behind all that, yeah, um, it's, it's something, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it really is. I, I remember when I first got here, I came through and they had an exhibit, and it was uh, you know Al Green's "Let's Stay Together." Yeah, they had the the uh, the stuff that he had recorded that on there, and it was really yeah, yeah that that piece of history right there. Uh, you know, guitars from the Allman Brothers, uh, outfits from Doctor John. Uh, uh, there was a, what's her name from the Bengals? I had uh, such a crush on her, Susanna. Susanna Hoff. Yes. In one of her outfits from the 90s. I didn't say that. I got to look at that. Yeah, it yeah. just took me right back. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's you know, Mississippi has more Grammy museums than any other state per capita. And so it's an appropriate place to <laughs> have it here. But it, it's also such an odd thing to have in the middle of the Mississippi Delta, yeah. something like this that... You know, you would see in Chicago or New York or Los Angeles, you know, it's such a a high-quality building. Yeah. You know, it's just yes. really top of the line. Very impressive. So in in your job with uh, with as a director of Visit Cleveland, how do you get the word out? How do you, how do you let people know about uh, all the attractions here uh, in Cleveland? Well, the... the the, you know, of course, you've got the, the normal social media magazines and so forth. But what I really try and work on is get writers interested 
Uh, so they're writing stories about the experience. Okay. Okay. That's, that's more valuable information than happening to see an ad or glancing at an ad. If you're engaged in a story and the story is about Cleveland, you're going to be a lot more engaged with it. So that's where we yeah. put a lot of emphasis. Well, that makes, that makes total sense. I hadn't thought about that angle. Uh, but are, now are these people that uh, that's kind of what they do for a living. They they write about uh, tourist attractions like that, or oh, they're sure. just yeah, sure travel writers. We okay, have them, we have them through all the time, and um, you know a lot of them will will come through. Uh, from smaller regional publications, and then of course uh, next week we'll have a busload of them from Europe coming through and seeing the Grammy. And really, sometimes we'll have them at the Cotton House and take yeah. them to dinner. And yeah. uh, you know, they go back home and they they write about it, or they're tour operators from Europe. I mean, over here, at least for me, when I plan a vacation, I just get online and plan it. But in Europe, there's a whole industry of you go to a guy. It's not like a travel agent because they don't actually book things for you. They just tell you what to do. Okay. And you pay them to do that. And so those are the guys that we bring in as well. Okay. So they keep up with that sort of stuff, and you just want to kind of get on their list, so to speak. Yeah, you just stay on their radar, and that's a matter of... Uh, you know, hosting them when they come through and then writing them letters throughout the year and, you know, sharing stuff with yeah. them. So, uh, but they, they, everybody, whether they're from London or Berlin or, or Tupelo, Mississippi, when they come to Cleveland for the first time, they're just so impressed. Gotta be. Yeah. I can't, can't, I can't imagine that it's what they expect, that it's what I they expect. envision. Not at all. Uh, it's just when I came, came into town the first time uh, and saw the green strip, the greenway there. It was in August, and I noticed that all the shops were full. Uh, the window displays were nice. There was not a piece of litter anywhere. There were these sculptures all over the place. And then I came out and saw the Grammy and saw the little neighborhoods, and it's just such a idyllic little place. Yeah. Really solid town. And, of course, Delta State. Delta State, yeah. Yeah. That's uh yeah so uh, so many assets and and so many attractions uh, because as you indicate you're not from the area you came here you you experienced it and and decided to, to make your home here yeah I knew it first day I mean it was it, it was it was such a beautiful beautiful little town and and being in the Delta and the whole Delta lifestyle and everything that comes with that you know different states sure. I mean different parts of the state are different culturally and yep. i, I kind of like the delta culture yeah that's cool sean appreciate you coming on and congratulations on all the success here in cleveland mississippi thank you sir yeah man folks it's time for a break we're at the grammy museum of mississippi in cleveland mississippi for 50 nights of lights after fox news and super talk news it's coach todd cooley with the delta state university football team stay with us we're coming right back Talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Begin your transition now. Now on Super Talk Mississippi. You 
Welcome back, everyone. It's Middays, live from the Grammy Museum of Mississippi in Cleveland, Mississippi, for the Cleveland 50 Nights of Lights. Hour three of the program, the afternoon portion, is underway now. We welcome now Coach Todd Cooley with the Delta State University uh, football team. He's the head coach of the football team. Coach, good to see you, sir. Thanks Thanks for having me. So uh, you're headed for uh, the next round of the playoffs this coming uh, Saturday here uh, at Delta State. You'll be taking on uh, Valdosta State University. That's at 1 o'clock game, right? It is, 1 o'clock. You didn't have any problem with West Florida this past weekend, did you? You had a pretty good game. We played really well. We played uh, probably the best first half we played all season. That's uh, that's awesome. Uh, your quarterback, Patrick Shegog, he, he really kind of blew it out, didn't he? he had a did. great game. He six did. touchdown passes. Six touchdown passes. Just kept doing what he's been doing now for two years. You know, uh, he's got 42 touchdowns on the year, two interceptions. Uh, I think he's a really good player. And Sophomore, right? No, no, no. He's a senior. He's a senior. Okay. A senior. Well, they, yeah. they had him listed in one of the reports I read that he was I a wish. sophomore. I bet I you wish. Yeah, I wish. No, I he's, that was... he's a senior from Baseball, Mississippi. And okay. Uh, I can't talk enough about him, you know. And it's like I said before when I was on the show last week, if, if he doesn't win the Connolly, I don't know what you have to do at a yeah. small college because uh, he's, he's amazing and um, been really good for our team. Well, also, speaking of uh, winning awards, we should congratulate you on your second consecutive uh, Gulf South Conference Coach of the Year award. It's quite the achievement. Yeah, it is. It's, it usually goes to guys who got the best team. and We felt like we had a really good team this year, and uh, I'm really blessed to get that award. What are you doing, Coach, this week, if anything different than, than prior weeks as you get ready for this big game? Well, the, the biggest thing is we don't have school right now. Yeah. And it's uh, dealing with, um, you know, I appreciate everybody in Cleveland. Miss Becky Nile uh, is kind of spearheaded for our Thanksgiving meal on, on Thursday as a, as a team, as a family. And we're excited about that. But it's just our guys aren't in a routine this week. So we're talking to them about, hey, still get up early, get some things done. Uh, we're not trying to keep them up at the, the field house all the time because you can get burnt out. But yeah. uh, I told them yesterday, the same preparation we put into West Florida is just you don't have school. So a lot of guys can, you know, waste their time. They still need to be active. We're still lifting weights. Uh, we're still doing our meetings. We'll practice this afternoon. And, you know, it rained on us yesterday pretty good, but today is supposed to get out of here. So yeah. we've got a nice day to practice today. So. Um, get get started our prep today. Well, with uh, with school, as you said, not being in session and a lot of students not around, uh, the football team, the players, they kind of gravitate to each other and hang mm-hmm. around. Yeah, they do, they do, and we we've got a close group. I mean, we've we've been like that for a while now, and uh, we're really. You know, just blessed to be in this situation. Anytime at this level when you're practicing on Thanksgiving, you've had a really good year. And <laughs> that's two years in a row we've done this, and uh, we're going to have a big game Saturday. Hope everybody will come out. Uh, it's going to be a big one. Valdosta's a really good football team. We played them week six down there. Uh, we were lucky enough to come out of there with a win. and um, But they're a lot better football team than they were the last time we played them. So they're playing really well, and it's going to be a dogfight Saturday. I know that uh, you typically don't like to, to look ahead, when, especially when you're facing such a big game as you are this coming Saturday, but what's the future look like for, for your recruiting class and so forth? Right now, you know, at our level, uh, we don't make a lot of early offers uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, right now everybody's uh, getting a lot of early offers, and we're just trying to let the smoke clear. We're evaluating. We're calling players, uh, recruits. Uh, we, we've got our eyes on a bunch of them, but, just to be honest, we, we, we kind of don't like to offer early anyway because as soon as we do, other people start noticing it and yeah. seeing it in social media. So yeah. 
Uh, not, I told our staff, you know, that's a compliment to us because uh, we've been able to do a good job of evaluating players and, and, and getting the right type of fit for Delta State. And um, we've got our eyes on some right now. Yeah. We're just kind of waiting. But the um, best thing we can do for recruiting is keep winning. Yeah. You know, we keep winning. And guys, you know, if you don't want to win, we really don't want you anyway. Um, we want guys that want to win in the classroom, off, off the field. They want to uh, graduate. You know, we've been really blessed here. This December we'll graduate our 198th player since I've been here. Um, so we are killing it academically, doing a great job. Uh, so we're looking for those type of guys. And uh, if they're out there just worried about who I was offering them right now, you know, doesn't mean as much. And we come in kind of at the last hour and try to scoop them up, so to speak. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of how we do it here. Well, you've you've got the the asset of having such a successful win program, mm-hmm. and uh, when you come in, uh, even if others have offered it, probably turns some heads. It does. It does. You know, we're we're blessed. Uh, Delta State University is the winningest four year university in the state of Mississippi. Um, we've been winning here for a while, not just with me. It's, it happened way before I got here, and you go back to Todd Knight in 1998. You yep. go to Steve Campbell, who won a national championship here. Rick Rhodes was here, had a great runs. Ron Roberts won all the time. Uh, so, you know, I, I follow some really good guys, and, and they're guys that I still speak with and talk to and can get advice from. So it's a really unique job when you come to Dunn State. It is a family here. Uh, and there's been some unbelievable coaches that have coached here. You know, right now, of course, Ron Roberts is a D.C. at Auburn. Yep. You know, Pete Golden was his defense coordinator here. He's obviously at Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Mike Bloomgren was on the staff here. He's the head coach at Rice. Jerry Max at Tennessee. I mean, it's just Steve Campbell's been everywhere. I mean, he he's a guy that I, I lean on a lot. And, um, you know, just having that tradition and those guys that you're able to pick up the phone because you're you're the head coach at Delta State now, they're going to answer. And it's, it's, it's been really cool being that, you know, been here 11 years. It's, it's been great. feel like I just got here. Coach, besides uh, looking for players that uh, obviously have mm-hmm. the athletic skills and ability and, and perhaps fit in with your schemes and, and um, your style of, of play, is, is there anything outside of athletics that you look for in the profile of a, of a possible uh, player here at Delta State? Yeah, we look at a lot of things. Uh, obviously, academics, um, number one. I mean, we've had such high graduation rates because we recruit good student-athletes, yeah. and it's a lot easier to, to – keep those guys on track when they get here i always look at how they treat their own family you know when they come on a visit we want the parents to come we want mama to come you know do they do they they do things for their mom on the visit you know do they if we're eating a meal do they make sure mom's eating first you know those types of things that you know some people don't look for we look for you know if if we're at a football camp we've got them in camp are they the first in line do they want to be coached or do they are they there just to show out you know are they there to actually get better i look look at all those types of things because to be honest that's what it's going to take to play here um you got to be a little bit old school and you got to be tough and you got to want to get better and um you know that's kind of a lost art nowadays but i think that comes with taking your time and recruiting and, and being more patient and really looking for what you want and we don't get them all obviously um and we miss just like everybody else misses sure. but i've learned as i've gotten older you know just take your time and make sure that the ones you do get they're going to fit and they're going to stay because you know we have a saying around here if you'll stay those who stay are going to be champions and that's the truth yeah. you know um but hey, that's just how we do it. There's, yeah. there's a lot of ways to skin a cat, as they say. But that's sure. just kind of what I believe in, and uh, we evaluate probably a lot more than we recruit. But we evaluate, 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 evaluate to make sure that the ones we do recruit, well, I'm not wasting my time. Sure, you know, and 
So that's what we do. Makes sense. Uh, do you feel like, Coach, that uh, you get uh, the necessary support from uh, the president, uh, the, um, Dr. Ennis, and, mm-hmm. and the administration in general? I do. Uh, you know, Dr. Ennis has been here not very long, but he's already, you know, made his mark of how he's going to be. You know, he's kind of a – he leads from the front. That's what I like about him. You know, he, he, he leads out there in the front. He's always interacting with students. Uh, if there's recruits on campus, he's talking to them. Uh, he came over and spoke to our team, and as soon as he left that meeting, I, I called several, I called my wife and said, man, it's first time. I said, it was awesome, you know, and I think he does a great job. Obviously, our athletic director, Coach Kennison, who's a legend yep. in the state of Mississippi and obviously here, uh, does a great job, wants to win, and gives us what we need. We don't always have what we want, but, I mean, nobody does, you mm-hmm. know, but we have what we need, um, and they make sure of that. Yeah. And, um, you know, we try to, in turn, you know, put something on the, a product on the field that everybody in Cleveland and, and our university can be proud of. Yeah, absolutely, and the, and the entire state, honestly. No so, uh, you feel pretty good about your future. It sounds like uh, here at Delta State I do. and, and uh, I do. the program and the direction you're headed. I do. I think. I think we're. Uh, you know. I mean, who knows? In, in college coaching, man, it's so it's 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 a great job. It's a terrible profession. <laughs> um, but no, I feel good about it. I, you know. You always, I learned this from my father a long time ago. Whenever you take a job, you leave it better than when you got it. And, sure. and you know, if something happens to me tomorrow and they say, hey, we're going to part ways, which I hope doesn't happen, happen. But if it does, I can honestly say, hey, it's in better position than when I took over. So uh, that's that's a big deal to me. we got just a few seconds left here. Sure. Um, any thoughts about just how um, college football, college athletics in general has just been upended by this NIL and portal and all yes. that stuff? Uh, we don't have enough I know. time. 30 seconds or yeah. so. What do you think? Um, I think it's uh, a travesty. I think it is now becoming the wild, wild west. Um, I don't see players at my sport getting developed the way they should be getting developed. Uh, we're letting them pick up their ball and go somewhere else, and we're saying it's okay, and we're actually celebrating it. Um, it's true. So there's a lot of problems with that. You know, everybody's getting excited when somebody gets in the portal. Um, you know, I, it is what it is. We're used to it here because we're used to recruiting transfers, too. Uh, so we're used to that. But um, I don't like where it's heading. It's crazy. It is. <laughs> hey, Patrick Shegar for the Connolly, if you're listening. Yes, sir. He certainly seems worthy of it to me. Appreciate no you coming on there, Coach. Thank you, sir. Thank you for everything you yeah, do. Yeah, man. Appreciate, Appreciate it. Yes, Thank sir. You. Folks, we're stepping aside uh, for a break right here. We've got Trisha Walker up next, retired director of the Delta Music Institute at Delta State University, considered Cleveland's music ambassador. That was, by the way, Coach Todd Cooley, the Delta State University head football coach and Gulf South Conference Coach of the Year, coming right back in Cleveland. Stay with us. It's so awesome. Middays with Gerard Gibbons. Come on, let's get on with the show. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Middays is live from the Grammy Museum of Mississippi in Cleveland, Mississippi, for the 50 Nights of Lights. 
We welcome to the program now Tricia Walker, retired director of the Delta Music Institute at Delta State University, also considered Cleveland's music ambassador and founder of Deep Roots Music. Appreciate you coming on there, Tricia. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. This museum is really incredible, and what a great job it does in, in showcasing not only the music as an art form, but also the, the many talented and very successful Mississippi musicians. Absolutely. More than any other state in the Union. More Grammy winners. Unbelievable. So uh, I, I've asked Mr. Steve Azar the question before as to why he thinks that Mississippi is the home to so many successful musical artists. What would be your viewpoint on the subject? Oh, it's a good question, you know. I just think, uh, you know, for the most part, We've got time on our hands. We've got a lot of space. Yeah. And uh, back in the day, when all that great music was being written, there just wasn't a whole lot going on. And it's part of our it's part of our oral tradition, our storytelling tradition. It just, That's what he said. Yeah, absolutely. It's just in our gene pool here in Mississippi. To says we're Mississippi. great storytellers. We are the best storytellers. And so that uh, certainly manifests itself in 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 music, but uh, also in the in the many. Um, world-class authors as That's well. Right. That's absolutely. And all famous. from Mississippi. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're all, it's just a creative state. Yeah. I kind of wonder if it's the diverse culture, if that if that's a factor. Also, the, um, the the terrain is so different. You know, if you look at the various regions of the state, and other states have that, but they're a little bit more spread out. I think ours in sort of a compact uh, area has th- these um, contrasting cultures, contrasting terrain, uh, just just different habits and lifestyles. I think all that blends together just to make for a lot to make music about and write about. I think so, too. You're absolutely right that I think the diversity of Mississippi contributes. And, you know, um, you know the parts of our state, I grew up in southwest Mississippi, a little bit hillier, yeah. Natchez Trace. Yeah. But, you know, here in the Delta, which is unlike any other part of Mississippi, flat, you can see for miles and miles. Then you got people on the coast. They, they do things a little differently down there. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's, a great, uh, it's a great melting pot of all kinds of styles and flavors. and Big, yeah. gum, big gumbo is what it is. Good way to describe it, I I would say. And I'm not sure that a lot of folks from outside of our great state realize that until they come here. And then they kind of observe it on their own. But it's it's sort of a a bit of a a well-kept secret. But, again, you can find out about it by listening to our our music or the music produced by Mississippi artists and and certainly in, in their literary works as well. Absolutely. My favorite thing, I lived in Tennessee for a long time, and I would bring people down, friends down to visit Mississippi who had never been, and they're like, oh, my gosh, we didn't know it was like this. This is fabulous. And so always one of my favorite things to bring friend, friends to Mississippi. Yeah. All right, so I see you've got your deep roots of sweatshirt on today. Yeah, I'm representing. Uh, <laughs> representing. Well, uh, tell us about that. Exactly what do you do there? Well, deep roots is a concept. Uh, when I retired from Delta State from the entertainment industry program, program at DMI, I was looking for ways to to continue kind of some of the work we had done. And, you know, musicians, and I can say this because I am one, we're, we're sort of lone rangers. We're kind of wandering in the wilderness out there, and we need a shepherd. And so uh, I figured we would try to pull together a, a movement to try to 
pulled some local musicians together. We branded it Deep Roots because, and partly because of the Grammy Museum, which celebrates all forms of American music, but particularly here, and, and it is a, an intentional play on words, Deep Roots, Roots music is, mm-hmm. is part of that Americana sound, which includes things like blues, bluegrass, country, soul, gospel, rock and roll, all those great genres that came from America. And so we assembled a, a cast, a roster, if you will, of local artists. And so Deep Roots, uh, our intent is to provide live music here in Cleveland five nights a week, local live music, and really begin to celebrate the different forms of root music, roots music, and reminding people that musicians are small businesses as well. Mm-hmm. It's an economic and community development type project. Hmm. Sure. Make, makes uh, perfect and total sense. Mm-hmm. So h- how does that figure into tourism in the area, just the promotion of the music and the deep roots music uh, genre in general? How does that figure into tourism and just economic vitality here in Cleveland, do you think? Well, you can't come to the Delta or Mississippi on a broader stage, but certainly the Delta without considering music. And, of course, blues is the, the deepest root of all, which you know gave birth to so many other styles of American music. So we wanted to provide that when tourists come. They come looking for live music and wanting to you know listen to live music. And, and uh, we weren't able to really uh, advertise that we had consistent live music until we put it together under this Deep Roots umbrella. Yeah. And then the other part of that too is economic development uh, having you know developed the program at Delta State is to try to you know begin to develop that ecosystem of music business here we've got recording studios here you know we have photography photographers here we have people who do music videos here so we're trying to build that ecosystem here in Cleveland and in the Delta uh, to provide those services for professional musicians who want to come here okay so um, they they um, they learn about that experience it understand the rich history the area has with respect to music and uh, perhaps they think about setting up shop here just make it their home absolutely you know part of my my personal mission you know when I was teaching at Delta State is to encourage our graduates you know because I know you know I, I wanted to leave Mississippi and go to bigger pastures you know but but having done that you know and now that technology has changed the world we live in try to encourage those young graduates just to stay in the area for a yeah, few years you know sure. mature a little bit you know put down some roots cost of living here is a whole lot less than it is in the major music centers for sure and you've got the things you need I mean I I left Mississippi to go to Nashville because you had to leave back then but now these days technology you know you can connect with anybody anytime anywhere on your laptop Uh, so you don't have to leave I mean it's always good to leave and travel broaden your perspectives but you can put your base down here and do everything you want to do from here what uh, it's a great way to describe it. So, what do you think we should do to, I guess, encourage and inspire uh, our youth to, to take a more active interest in music, or perhaps even becoming a musician? Well, uh, the Grammy Museum is one thing. They do a great job. I'm not sure enough of our young people coming up realize the depth and the richness of the musical history that Mississippi has and has produced. So, number one, you need to learn where you came from and all the people that helped make it great. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you treat it. It's kind of a it's kind of a difficult thing because technology has made music 
making music easier in some regards. But again, if you're going to be a musician, you have to dedicate yourself to the craft, whether you're going to be a singer, guitar player, piano player. You really have to work hard. It's not as glamorous as people think it is, you know. You have to put the work in. But music is something you can do all your life until the day you leave this earth. If your health holds up, you can do music forever. Yeah. So. so at a minimum, you ought to try it out. See Absolutely. if it fits you. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, people people need music. I'm a big, I'm a, you know, my sermon is music makes us better. And it does. You know, we need, we need music in the world. Yeah. And and then talk about uh, Delta State and its connection to, to music, uh, Mississippi's music, music here in the Delta located right here in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Well, Delta State's great. It's got a, you know, I was a graduate of their, what I call their traditional music department, and band and and uh, professional lessons, and then when I came back from Nashville to, to develop the Delta Music Institute, it, is to open up a whole new, you know, educational path for all those things around music that young people didn't didn't really know about how to be an agent, how to be yeah. a publisher, how to be a producer, and all of that affects music in the Delta. Just trying to, you know, lift these musicians up, trying to give them some. Um, professional services that they need and to to hopefully help and i think we've done this pretty well and there's always room for improvement to help the community really begin to value musicians in a different way yes we know that sometimes it's just a guitar player sitting in the corner and nobody's really listening but that brings that brings value not only to the musician but to the community so anything we can do on a professional level on these margins of what deep roots is trying to do and what delta state has done with the entertainment industry program will help musicians feel like they're really a valued part of the community that's a good point and, and no doubt um, individual the blessing of individual talent is uh, is a key factor but in general, there's there's more to the story behind those who succeeded, is there not? That had a lot a lot of help from other folks. Oh yeah, nobody gets there on their own, yeah. and, and there are no shortcuts. I'm working with a young man right now uh, out of Natchez who is an incredibly talented piano player, and uh, he can do a lot by himself. But you know, to really go to the next step, you know, you have to build your network, yeah. as, as in any industry, but certainly in the music industry, um, you develop that network of people who can help open doors for you and move you forward in your career. So it's, yeah. yeah, you don't get there alone. Trish, appreciate you coming on and sharing Absolutely. your uh, your musical insights and thanks for for your contributions uh, in the music world to our state absolutely glad to be here we're stepping aside for a break right now we're coming right back half an hour left on uh, middays we're live at the grammy museum in cleveland mississippi for cleveland's 50 nights of lights he was a diamond in the This program. Gerard Gibbert. Here we go. This is huge, huge, huge news. Huge, huge, huge news. Huge. You need to listen to this. Middays with Gerard. Super Talk, Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. It's Middays. 
final half hour of the program on this Tuesday of Thanksgiving week. The Element Well Studio relocated today to the Grammy Museum of Mississippi, just next to Delta State University in Cleveland, Mississippi. That's for Cleveland's 50 Nights of Lights celebration. Are you thinking about or planning for retirement? Do you have a plan? Go to myelementwealth.com or call 601-957-6006 to let Element Wealth help you find your balance between income, growth, and guarantees. It's Egg Bowl week. Egg Bowl week is here, Rhino. That it is. Uh the sports talk guys are talking about the Egg Bowl all week, and they should be because it's a big old in-state rivalry. It will be played at Scott Field Thanksgiving evening on the campus of Mississippi State University. I think the last line I saw had Ole Miss minus 11 or 12. It's been moving just a little bit. Uh, it started out as minus 14 when I looked at it um, Sunday morning, but it's uh, been it's been shrunk a bit, as they say. But you never know, as the old saying goes, all the records and the prior games of the season are out the window for the big rivalry game that's coming up on Turkey Day, Thanksgiving Day. Should be a good one, and tune into the Sports Talk Show to hear the the boys talking about rivalry week going on right now. I just got a on an announcement of an announcement that the Stewpot Community Services, that's a nonprofit faith-based organization that provides food, shelter, and other services in Jackson, it just announced that uh, they received a $1.25 million grant from the National Jeff Bezos Day One Families Fund. How about that? This was announced by Reverend Jill Bickley, said the funds will be used to expand services for and increase outreach efforts to families experiencing homelessness. Quite the ministry. And, and uh, Mr. Bezos, $1.25 billion from his foundation. You know, folks, we got uh, a presidential election coming up about this time next year. Actually, we're inside a year right now. Hard to believe as we're just now recovering from the statewide elections. Just had the final race, as we discussed earlier, called last week. But we're about to shift uh, Rhino into full-time national campaign mode, as you might say. Polls still show, and it depend, and it doesn't matter, I should say, what poll you, you review, even those from traditional left-leaning polling organizations, they're all showing that Joe Biden is trailing Donald Trump in the polls. I uh, saw another one this morning that has Trump sitting at uh, 49% to Biden's 42%. And uh, several still reporting is undecided. But this is not good news uh, inside the, the White House at this point. Saw another poll from NBC that says, uh, with respect to Joe Biden, get this, from January until now, positive feeling 
about the candidate Joe Biden in January sat at 39%. It's now down to 36%. And on Donald Trump, he went in the opposite direction. So that's a 3% decline over 11 months. With respect to Donald Trump, he was 32% positive in January, now 36%. So the point there is that right now they're tied in terms of uh, voters' view of the candidates in a positive way. Uh, but he's got uh, on the negatives 53% Biden, 52% Donald Trump. I'm just hearing more and more discussion about concerns over Joe Biden's age. And I'm hearing more people step up and say they just don't think Joe Biden ultimately will be the nominee. On the Democrat side, I, I, I'm uh, I'm in that camp too. I, I I don't know who it will be, but it just it just feels like that maybe they're going to have. What do you think, Rhino? A little discussion over Thanksgiving dinner. Hey, Joe, why don't you think about just just calling it uh, calling it quits? Just going ahead and riding off into the sunset. You've you've had an accomplished career as a senator, vice president. Now, President, why don't you just bow out gracefully? No shame in that. I wonder if that conversation will take place. If not, perhaps it's over the uh, the Christmas New Year holiday period. Yeah, I was about to say, I, I don't, don't think it would work on Thanksgiving because it would be too distracted by the spread. <laughs> That's true. Well, I just wonder if, if there won't be some rather intimate discussions, shall we say, and that really should be stimulated by Jill Biden, Dr. Jill Biden. She's the one that ought to to talk to him. And I think anytime you're making a major decision like that, with respect to a married couple, of course it makes sense to consult your spouse, find out how they feel about it. She could, I think, do us all a favor by asking him to to not seek re-election. Meantime, the Democrat pundits, I was shocked at this when I read this report. This is from Alex, I'm going to try to say the name correctly, Gan- Gangitano and Julia Muller. They are Democrat surrogates, and they are urging uh, the president to revamp his economic message, something that I think is really the uh, the issue, the set of issues that are most important to voters. But I was shocked. I, I guess I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that. I'm not shocked. I'm disappointed that more people seem to be leaning towards this message of government's just going to take care of you and, and more of government intrusion and control of the $24 trillion U.S. economy. And... Um, what they say is that the president ought to focus on good news with respect to the economy. And I think that's a tough sell because most people are just focused on the high price of goods when they check out at the grocery store, the high price of gas and at the pump, and everything else in between. But what they're saying is that they should focus on the, the junk fee reform. We haven't said a lot about that lately. I don't know that I can say stupid. I've had 
it is stupid. But they're saying that they ought to be promoting um, the junk fee uh, reform, the uh, the forcing of pharmaceutical companies to basically uh, accept the price the government wants to pay for their goods. It's really not um, negotiations as they would have you believe it is. It's really more force than anything else. Um, but but the uh, unemployment rate is still incredibly low. That's true, and that's just because we really haven't totally recovered and just now getting back to the, the number of people working that were working in 2019 prior to the pandemic in early 2020. And that's what they think they ought to, ought to focus on. That's what they're saying is uh, the benefits are the benefits of Bidenomics. I, I was just taken aback uh, by this a little bit. But the junk fees, really? We ought to focus on that? I mean, I, I certainly understand unemployment. Uh, but, you know, people don't really pay attention to that unless they're not working. When they're working, they just think, okay, well, I'm working, no big deal. From the standpoint that uh, they're not really attributing that, I would say, to the president. That when they're unemployed, they do. But when they're working, they don't. And so I don't know that that's a, a selling feature. But, you know, the saying we lowered the prescription drug prices, well, that's just by force. Creating manufacturing jobs, what a ruse that is. We've been through that a million times. It's That's honestly... A, um, now less than 10% of the total workforce. But, again, this is, this is hey, the 1970s want their economic policies back. Rebuilding our roads and bridges, why? Because uh, how and what? Because you went out and, and uh, approved and signed off on a $1.2 trillion bill that, did, that, that only added to the debt? I mean, it wasn't anything creative or innovative or, or noble about passing that legislation, which you also happen to get Republicans to support. It's the only way you could get it passed. But, uh, okay, so you spent $1.2 trillion that we don't have. I mean, why should we applaud that effort? On, and then the Inflation Reduction Act, which is just a bunch of dumb series of Green New Deal credits that achieved nothing. Well, we're out of time here in this particular uh, segment. We're coming right back with Caitlin Thompson, the director of Cleveland Main Street Program. Stay with us. Final segment is up. Going beyond the headlines, breaking down the stories that matter to Mississippi. Middays with Gerard on Super Talk Mississippi. at for us today because we're at the Grammy Museum in Cleveland, Mississippi. We're here for Cleveland's 50 Nights of Lights. We welcome to the program Caitlin Thompson, Director of Cleveland Main Street Program. Caitlin, thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right. So the Main Street, uh, first of all, the Main Street in Cleveland is uh, is really neat. 
and uh, it, it's been preserved. You know, it uh, the maybe the shops have changed a bit, but the but the basic boulevard itself is is uh, sort of iconic and looks the same as I remember it being when I was a young boy and traveled around with my father, who was um, uh, a clothing manufacturer's rep, and he had a couple of stores that were customers there on the main street, and always enjoyed coming up here. But it's fantastic, and it's uh, kind of the epicenter for the nights of fifty nights. Absolutely. So the Main Street is part of the historic um, district, and so we try to preserve that that history um, and really build upon that by adding in the fun things like the 50 Nights of Lights. Yeah, so I'm hearing there's going to be go-karts on ice or something like that. Can you explain that to us? (laughs) Absolutely. So that is something new we're doing this year. Um, Pop-up. It's a pop-up vendor. She'll come in and she'll set up a, a rink, basically, and it's basically like... Picture bumper cars, but on ice, they light up. There's music. It's just, it's going to be a whole lot of fun and something really exciting and new for the community. What was the idea for the 50, behind the 50 Nights of Lights? How long has that been going on? This is the, I think it's, this is the eighth year that the big tree has been downtown. Yeah. Um, and we've, we've done the tree lighting and everything, and the 50 Nights of Lights has just grown and grown and grown every year that, um, that it's been downtown. And it started as a way to um, remember a, a family member by a family here in Cleveland, and it started with the tree. And it's just, it's grown exponentially um businesses and donors will donate a piece um and that helps really cover some of the cost for the city sure and um obviously is is a great return on investment for the city because it brings in flocks and flocks of people every yeah. every single day during that and, and of course the uh the stores the restaurants the shops hotels and so forth uh, benefit uh from that but they truly do collaborate on this and embrace it do they not Absolutely. So I began at the chamber in June, and I think it was August, the very first of August, when we first started working on all the Christmas events and planning. And, um, you know, there's groups of people that come together for a big picture type of planning moment, but then, of course, little pockets of people will help plan lots of other things that go on. And I think collaboration is the key because we've got to know what the left hand is is doing with the right hand. and, and apparently they're cooperative. If they weren't, it wouldn't be the success that it is. So you know that's the case. So give us kind of an idea of some of the key events that uh, we can expect during the 50 Nights of Light. Sure, yeah. Well, we, we did the uh, annual tree lighting. That was a couple of weekends ago, coupled with our open house weekend. So that's a check. Mm-hmm. But we do have uh, several big events still in the works. This coming weekend is uh, Small Business Saturday. And we have um, an event going on that's called the Merry Mug Walk. And basically anyone that wants to participate, can buy a Christmas in Cleveland uh, coffee mug, hmm. and um, it's ten dollars. And then we've got a uh, several merchants that are on board, and they've got they'll have hot uh, holiday beverages in their store that day, and they'll all be offering things like discounts, incentives, uh, just maybe even a holiday treat or a happy. Um, that'll, that'll be this Saturday, and then Thursday, December the 7th, is our annual Christmas parade, um, and it, it's a huge event. I mean, the streets are lined, the sidewalks are lined, it's it's a big ordeal, and of course, in true Southern spirit, we always have to throw in a competition mm. and have a float contest. <laughs> um, we've got marching bands this year, new to the parade, we're going to have some stilt walkers, they'll be... <laughs> 
tall walking down the streets with all the Christmas festivities. And, um, you know, if you've ever watched the Macy's Day Parade on Thanksgiving Day, you, you see the big, huge balloons. Well, we, we try to incorporate some of that here in Cleveland. And, yeah. um, we have a big gingerbread coming to the parade this year. Um, and then, of course, we do have the ice skating, uh, rink that'll be here in town for all friday and saturday cool. uh, saturdays in december that's cool so a lot of stuff planned for the next few weeks leading up uh to christmas and uh it, i know that the merchants are going to benefit the the stores and so forth are going to benefit and and that's a big part of this besides it's just good old-fashioned wholesome fun Absolutely. One of the things that the merchants specifically enjoy is we have what's called our, our loyalty card. And so each business has a little uh, Christmas in Cleveland card. And uh, when a shopper comes in and makes a purchase, oh. they get a little a little stamp. And once they get 10 stamps, they turn it back into the chamber and um, their name goes into a drawing for a big Christmas stocking. We'll do four of those drawings in uh, December. And great idea. It's, it's kind of a big trade show almost sort of uh, approach. That's a great idea. Yeah, congratulations. Well, and congratulations on all the success here in Cleveland, Mississippi. Appreciate you coming on, Caitlin. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Folks, that's a wrap here on Middays. We're at the Grammy Museum in Cleveland, Mississippi for Cleveland's 50 Nights of Lights. Back in the Element Wealth Studio at Supertalk headquarters tomorrow. And then Thanksgiving on Thursday, Carter Jewelers on Friday. Until then, stay safe and God bless everyone. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.